Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to jump back into the mailbag and uh, work on a bunch of mail that has come to me, try to put it in some form of order that makes sense to build some type of an educational thought process for today. Uh, today's process is going to start with an email sent to me by Jim Shield. Uh, Jim uh, wrote me back about yesterday's uh, radio show where we talked about the 80-20 principle, and I said, if anybody knew where that came from, go ahead and send me that material. So he was kind enough to send it to me, and I was interested reading it. It really was uh, more interesting than I thought. Because um, I've used it for 30-odd years to explain things. Actually, even before that, I think since I was 20 years old, I've used it as a theory to uh, hold on to. But it's interesting to find out where the theory actually came from. That's an interesting thing in life sometimes. We, just, we do stuff. We don't even know what it means or where it came from or so on and so forth, yet we live by it. So the name of the principle, which we call the 80-20 rule, is really the Pareto Principle, uh, also known as the 80-20 rule. And by the way, I'm reading this out of Wikipedia. The law of the vital few or the principle of factor sparsity. So the, the concept is, is that since there is a sparsity of actual raw energy molecules, existence of life force energy, there is a limit of that, then your ability to shape that is going to dictate your results. And it goes on and says that for many events, roughly 80% of the effect comes from only 20% of the causation. Now, let's think about that. 80% of the results come from 20% of causation. So if we think about that in life as a human being, just in general sense, 80% of what we do every day, and we discussed this yesterday, but 80% of what we do every day is really pretty useless. It's kind of repetitive mundane, um, useless stuff that, you know, I find myself like today I was pulling weeds around the pond as I was feeding the fish and backwashing and cleaning the filters. And I'm going, how in my mind do I believe that cleaning filters and pulling weeds and backwashing is getting me anywhere? Nature, you can't beat nature. Everybody knows that. Yet we spend countless hours of our life trying to keep things clean, keep things, you know, beds weeded. I don't, is that the correct way to say it? Weeded our beds or we weed our beds, pull the weeds out. Um, hedges we trim and clean and, and, you know, mow the yard. And, you know, you think of the thousands of dollars just in my life. Let's talk about probably millions of dollars spent in Houston alone just trying to landscape and manicure stuff that is going to eventually grow back out. 
You can't win it. It's wasted energy and it's wasted money. Now, think if I took all of that money and if I had the mindset that I need to be wealthier, which I don't, uh, and I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, okay? I'm not, we're not getting to the, the value structure here. We're just talking about, but I don't. I'm where I need to be financially in my own mind. Because I'm there, I'm at the point where I have more fun just spending my money and wasting and piddling it away than going out and making more of it, Okay. But if I weren't that way, if I really wanted to be a billionaire, if I really wanted to double my wealth again, could I do it? And the answer is, yes, Dell. Get rid of the 16,000-square-foot house. Get rid of the $2,000-a-month landscape company. Get rid of the $1,000, the $300-a-month pool company. Get rid of the thousands of dollars of renovations each year you have to do as you replace all the dead plants and trim and hedge and everything. Get rid of all those tens of thousands of dollars a year. If I wanted to go further, I could sell the house and move into something much smaller and get rid of the tens and tens of thousands of dollars of property taxes. Now, would I still get up every morning and eat? Yes, I'd get up and do the same thing I do right now. I'd get up and do breakfast take my medications, write my radio show, go to the restroom, wait for my wife to wake up, watch a little TV, do a radio show, go work out, and then go piddle and play the rest of the day. I could do all that without this house. I could do all that without the the landscape, the pool, the this, the that, and all that stuff. I don't need four cars where I have to pay insurance on four expensive cars. I don't need that. I could have just one, and that would be just fine. Two would be better, because then the wife would have one, I would have one. It would be fine. Two would be perfect. But we got four in case either one of us has one that breaks down, or in case we want to do something that it takes a specialty vehicle to do. All that stuff, though, I'm not saying it's good or bad. What I'm saying is all of those resources, that there's 80% of my resources out there being squandered, and only 20% of my resources are actually doing anything productive. Now, for me, that's not actually the case because all of that that I just told you about is a very small proportion. 80% of all my resources are tied up into income-producing assets. So it's different for me. That's why I'm where I'm at. That's why people that are successful are where they're at. And when I say successful, I mean financially successful, Right? But I want to read on in this article because it's, it's thought-provoking to think how this principle was really arrived at and what it really meant. Because I didn't realize this, but it was actually put together to talk about the wealth of nations and the welfare of the citizenry of nations. So I read on because it's really rather interesting. It says... Management consultant Joseph Geron suggested the principle and named it after Italian economist uh, Vilfredo Pareto, who noted 80-20 connection while in the University of Louisiana in 1896. In his first work, Cours d'Economic Proteo, blah, 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 blah. I just can't speak Italian. Pareto showed that approximately 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the population. 
Pareto principles is only tangibly related to Pareto efficiency. Pareto developed both concepts in the context of distribution of income and wealth among populations. So his concept of efficiency is 80%, 20% of the activities you do in life produce 80% of your results. That's his efficiency ratio. Now, it's obvious in life, if you can do more of the 20% that makes a difference and less of the 80% that doesn't, you can be more successful. So it's that line. If you think about it, it's that line. And I'm going to come back to this later on in the show today about the line. Here is the line. You live, let's say there's a line where you are exactly an 80-20 person. Successful people are more like 30-70. Unsuccessful people are more like 90-10. What do I mean like that? What I mean by that is the people who are unsuccessful spend 90% of their time doing stuff that means nothing and only 10% of the time doing something that's effective. Very successful people spend seven or spend 30% of their time doing something effective and only 70% of their time doing something ineffective. So as you see, when you look at this situation, is that the key to success is simply understanding where that line is, what fits on each side of that line, and shifting the amount of time that you spend in life from one side of that line to the other. In other words, can you go from being a 90-10 loser to a 30-70 winner? Now, what if you found somebody that was a 60-40? Were they 40% of everything you do was effectively successful? And 60% of their time was wasted. Now you're looking at a superstar. Now you're looking at a billionaire. Now you're looking at all the super things in life you see and you know you'll never, ever aspire to get to. Because... You're maybe just an 80-20. You're the average. Today we're going through the mailbag, and we started with an email from Jim Shield, who had sent me over his article about Pareto principle. Is the 80-20 rule we've all grown up with and understood. So I'm going deeper into it because it's really much more than what we thought it would be. And as in the first segment I talked about, it simply shows you what you have to do in life to succeed is to change your focus from those 80% of activities in life that are ineffective or useless to you to the 20% of things in life that are very effective and very useful for you. Then he goes on, and this article goes on, and actually it's not an article, it's Wikipedia, and defines a little bit more of what this guy was trying to say. They they start out with uh, economics, then they talk about mathematically the 80-20 rule is roughly followed by a power law distribution, also known as the Pareto distribution, for a particular set of parameters, and many natural phenomena have been shown empirically to exhibit such distribution. It's the axiom of the business management that 80% of sales come from 20% of the clients. So there you go. Again, it's being used. It goes on. It says, in economics, the original observation was in connection with population and wealth. Perito noticed that approximately 80% of Italy's land was owned by 20% of the population. He then carried out surveys on a variety of other countries and found in and to his surprise that a similar distribution applied. A chart was given to the inequality in a very visible and comprehensive form. The so-called champagne glass effect was contained in the 1992 United Nations Development Program report. 
And so basically what it's saying is 20% of the richest people own 82% of all income. Uh, the second 20 percentile owns 11% of all income. The third 20 percentile owns 2.3% of all income. The fourth 20 percentile owns 1.8% of all income. And the poorest 20% own 1.4% of all income. So it also applies, though, as he goes on to say, it also applies in taxation, which is interesting, because 20% of all taxpayers pay 80% of all income taxes. So what 20% do you think that is? That's the upper income level. So the upper income level not only makes 80% of the income, they pay 80% of all taxes. So society is distributing both of those in a fair manner. In other words, if you're out there producing 80% of the results, now here's one of the things I want you to understand. Whether you believe that being wealthy has to do with producing results or not, you have to realize that all money comes from servicing other people. It's either producing an asset for them, producing a product for them, or giving them a service, providing service. That's the only reason somebody would pay you. That's the only way you earn money is people give it to you, other than governmental taxation of some form. Uh, but if you go back to the, to the rich people that are billionaires, they've found out how to give people more benefit. So you say, why does a football player get paid $40 million a year? And you go, well, because on any given Sunday, you've got 20 million people watching that game. And that's 20 million people that they put aside everything they do that weekend or that Thursday night or that Monday night football game. And they figure out how to make their whole day coalesce onto that game. There's eating and drinking that surrounds it, which means businesses that provide food and and drinks, uh, alcohol companies and food companies and restaurants are making tons of money because that football game's on TV. And then the TV stations are making advertisement dollars. So by the time you give 20 million people on TV a joy in their stomach, the joy of being a victory, winning, having your team win, or actually the joy of just being able to moan and complain about your team and be an armchair quarterback and prove to all your friends that you absolutely have no idea what you're talking about. But if you were out there, it would all be different. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of relaxation. That's a lot of take your mind off the daily grind. That's living in a fantasy world, 20 million of you at a time. And if you can get those people to tune in every single week, you're worth somewhere between 10 and 20 million bucks. That's the difference. How many people tune in to watch you? The Kardashians, multi-multi-millionaires. In fact, I think the youngest girl's a billionaire. Why? Because she sells perfumes, jewelry, and clothes. But people aren't wearing perfume, jewelry, and clothes. They're wearing the Kardashian lifestyle. They're seeing it on TV and they're living it live with them by wearing their clothes. I know we went to California one time and we pulled into an auto dealership and there was a Kardashian car for sales. It was just sitting there. It was there in to be sold. And the guy goes, yeah, that's a blankety blank. I won't say who it was and what it was. And my wife went bonkos. 
She goes, we got to buy that car. I go, get out of here. Oh, no, we got to have it. And she had never wanted this particular car before. But when she saw that car, and it was a Kardashian character out of the show, it was their personal car, right? And she went so far as to get in the car, like to test drive it, put her hand in the glove box, and pulled out the insurance card and saw either they scammed the crap out of whoever they're selling this thing to or found out it was their car. Because theirs was the insurance card. And I'm telling you, it, was, it blew my mind. But I realized what was going on. I mean, I was like, okay, I get it. You'd be a Kardashian. or Well, at least a part Kardashian. You know, I mean, at least you could brag to your friends who have a Kardashian lifestyle because you drive the same stuff that a Kardashian drives. And all of a sudden, everything anybody sees about the Kardashian life could be associated with you. Whoa. I guess I made that car worth about $20,000 more than what I was willing to pay for it. (laughs) You got to see this, guys, for what it is. The 80-20 rule says, if you help enough other people get what they want in life, you can have whatever you want in life. But you say to me, I did one thing. I did. I have one rent house. That isn't going to make you rich. Right. I go to a job and I push widgets around. That isn't going to make you rich. You've got to do something spectacular. No, you can't be in a golf tournament and be number 47th and get rich. Nobody cares. Uh, I think it's a, a rapper, but I think the guy's name was Nelly. He had a song that says, I am number one. Two is not a winner. And three, no one remembers. They're nobody. Right? And he's so right about that. Nobody cares about number two, number three, number four, number five. That means nothing. You got to be out there. So when you go out there and you look at what you do, how many clients do you have? I know that my company has 50,000 clients, and I bet if you'd ask any single person who's a member of my program, they would know who I am. And they know what part I contributed to developing the program and how it's changing people's lives. There's the secret, my friends. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Well, one thing it has meant for us, and we have to compliment you, You've given us our time back. And I say our time because we got married 33 years ago and we got married in July. Do you know why? Well, that was before I met Lifestyles. I used to work for Ford Motor Company. And with Ford Motor Company, I was uh, in the automotive division. They have shut down during July, the first two weeks of July. So, so you had, had to wait for down. a shutdown to get married? Yes. Yes. He actually. Whoa! It's dedication there. <laughs> he made me change our wedding date. It was supposed to be June 15th, and I changed. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so if I had been in lifestyle, I could have gotten married when I wanted to. <laughs> and the ring would have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ready to get your time back, like Vivian and Cornell? Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. 
Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are talking about the 80-20 principle, which they uh, are calling the Pareto principle. And um, if, I'm going to follow up the rest of this um, article here from uh, Wikipedia and uh, just show you the other places where the 80-20 principle is actually in effect. In computing, the 80-20 principle was found by Microsoft that if you fix 20% of the problems, the complaints about the software, you resolve 80% of the problems and crashes. In sports, it's been... Uh, inferred that the Pareto principle applies to athletic training when roughly 20% of the exercise and habits have about 80% of the impact on the trainee and should be focused on those 20%. Occupational health and safety, uh, professionals use the Pareto principle to underline the importance of hazard prioritization, uh, assuming 20% of hazards account for 80% of injuries, and many other applications have been used the 80-20 principle. Today, I'm going to delve into an 80-20 principle concept that's way, 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 way afoul of what it's probably been used in the past. And I'm going to tie two more emails in. I'm not going to tell you who the emails are from because I was not given permission to use them. It's one of you. It's 20% of you. It's whatever it is, 10% of you. Now, I'm going to start by just giving you the theory, and then I'm going to dig into these emails. My theory is this, and it always has been. You can look at the results of people and find that there's an, a divide between people of type A personality and type B personality. A type A personality is the individual that is instantaneously, gratificationally diseased. They want everything, and they want it now, and when they get it, it doesn't satisfy them. They want more, or they want something different. Um, you could give my wife 20 pairs of the nicest shoes that were ever made, and a month from now, she'll be wanting to buy 20 of the cheapest ones that are ever made because they're cute. They go with their outfit. I've given up a long time ago trying to buy her the one nice, expensive thing because it really doesn't work with women, especially her. Uh, they want something new every day, every month, every week. Uh, that's a type A personality trait. You understand that, right? Um, it's the same thing with furniture. No matter what we have, the nicest furniture in the world, she'll want to change it. Uh, buy the nicest house in the world, she'll want to remodel it. Uh, it she's never satisfied. They're just, it's in, not in her personality. That's a type A personality, right? That's the way they are. And not only that, when she wants something, she can't wait for it. There is instantaneous gratification disease uh, involved. Then on the other side, there's the type B personality. Type B personality is the, the analysis paralysis individual. And that's the person that will sit there and study the situation until the situation goes away. There's two theories, I believe, that I learned as a type B when I was young. And since then, by the way, I'm just going to announce to you that since I got older, I stopped being so much of a type B and started being a type A. Why? I guess I realized that I didn't have as much time left as I had money, and I figured I'd better just go ahead and start having some fun. But other than that, the reality is type Bs have two reasons why they will not take action. I didn't say they couldn't take action. They can take action, but they do not want to take action and will not take action for two reasons. Number one, type Bs are never wrong. Ask us. We never fail. I've never failed at a real estate transaction. Never. Every investment I've ever made in real estate has come out to be more positive than negative. It's never happened to me. And I will never have a negative one, probably, because why? Because I won't go do something that's risky. I won't take undue risk because I don't want to be wrong. You ask me a question, a lot of people will just give you an answer. My wife will come up with an answer in five seconds. 
She doesn't know if it's right or wrong. She doesn't care. It's just she's going to answer you. In fact, before you get the question out, she'll give you an answer. She'll even try to tell you what the question is. Type B's. We listen, and then we ponder, and then we think, and then we analyze. And then we go, hmm, yeah, I really don't know. Let me do some research on that. And then we research and research and research and research. Why? Because we don't want to be wrong. It's against our constitution to be wrong. Now, what is the second thing bees don't like? Bees don't like action. They don't like to do stuff. I don't want to be tied down to doing something. And everything that a type A comes up with to do is going to require action. What are the three worst words at Christmas for a type B personality? Some assembly required. You give my wife something in the package, she will rip that package apart and put that crap together and then find the instruction manual. Stuff will be left over, stuff won't fit together right, stuff won't even work, and it doesn't matter. She might go back, or she'll come to me and go, can you help me with this? And then I'll take it apart, read the manual, and put it back together again. You know, but if you gave it to me, it will sit there for three weeks. She wants it done that day, that moment, that she got it in the mail, it's got to go together. Me, I have piles of projects sitting. I'm getting that one. Let me read about it. Let me go on the internet. Let me YouTube it a few times. What I totally understand what I'm up against. Now I'll pull out the manual and go step one, step two, step three, and I'll work my way through it. That's what type B's do. And that's why we don't like you starting new projects for us, because then we got to do them. We always end up getting pulled into your ideas, type A's, and so we don't like them. When you look at people and you figure out that they have failed in life to some degree, and I'm, I'm going to put this in context. Failure is undeterminable. Uh, failure is an opinion. It's, it's comparative. Are you where you want to be in some facet of your life or all facets of your life? And the answer is either yes or no. And if you're yes, then I will share with you this. You are what I'm going to explain in a minute. Balanced. And no, then you are not balanced. Meaning you're either too much of a type A or too much of a type B, right? And one of the two is going to destroy you. One of the two will destroy you. So the people that I found that are highly successful are B's that have learned to be salesmen. That's what I was. I was a B, but forced to go out there and make things happen, to interact with people, to sell, to motivate, to get people to do things. And then I realized I could sell myself on doing things. If I could sell other people on doing things, now I could sell myself on doing things. And I could use my analysis paralysis to make sure I did the right things, but then turn on the salesman. Dun, 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 dun. And I could talk myself into stuff. I get myself to do things. Yeah. There's a good reason to get out there and do that. Dell, let's get going now. Give myself that little pat on the shoulder, the little sales pitch, the little motivational shove you need. But at the same time, but wait. Before we do it, let's make sure we do it right. On the other hand, you can have a type A personality that's successful because what they did was they married a type B. <laughs> and you know if you're one of the reasons the way you decide if you're type A or not. If you're type A, you're broke. You will never find a type A personality that's rich because they spend every penny they make. Every penny. They'll say, no, I don't, no way. They'll argue till they're dead. 
but every type A I've ever met's broke. Now, the only way type A's are not broke is they're married to a type B. And the type B takes the checkbook and the credit cards away from them and says every decision we make financially has to go through both of us. And I will be the voice of reason. And in those cases, the closer you come to that balance of A and B logic working together to make good decisions, to not get stuck being a type B and not doing anything, and to not overreact to everything and do things wrong as a type A, that is the 80-20 balance. Now, what should the balance be? Well, it's really easy. If you're a B, you think the balance should be 80% of your effort should be to not do things, and 20% of your effort should be to do them once you've figured out what is safe. If you're a type A, you believe that 80% of life is do something and see what happens, and only 20% is figure out if it makes any sense. So type A's believe in a thing called the mud on the wall theory of transactions. It means if you throw enough mud on the wall, something's got to stick. I remember going to a seminar one time on all these different home businesses, and I met a guy there that had been in my seminar the week before and joined up. And you bought seven more businesses. I said, what about the one you bought from Eagles? Just in case. I told you I was going to share with you two emails. Again, um, the emails are personal, and I'm not going to give out any names or anything. Uh, I just want you to see the difference and feel the different type of an email that comes from a type A compared to a type B, right? And whether we can make any comments on the situations, I think you can very easily yourself read into what the problems are. Um, okay, so the, the question is, you asked me, what kept me from joining? A task that I've allowed to overwhelm me for the last 10 years. I owe 23000 to the IRS, 11000 to state taxes. I currently have a lien. I made bad decisions with my money that I did have. I invested in the stock market. I played penny stocks. I learned what a reaver split was. I don't even know what that is and how devastating they can be. I have never filed a W-4 since 1977 when I joined the Army. I have owned a cab company since 1990. It's been a one-car company since October 2012. It was a 50-car franchise operation with a renewable government license to provide taxi service to the military installation. It was a very good thing for 22 years. I learned that the sequential funds, what sequestered funds was, when President Obama sequestered part of the military budget in 2012. I also relevant to why I joined Lassos in my mind, not enough money to manage taxi cab contracts placed under the AFA, the FFFS, I don't even know what that is, where renders had to bid on the exclusive contract. I was outbid. Sometimes I thought I would never end. It was over. No ceremony. No gold watch. Just a slap in the face. In 2008 and 10, I lost three houses in foreclosure. That's an interesting story in itself. Just ask me. In 2014, I committed bankruptcy. Uh, I've been making it with Social Security, and that's an interesting story in itself. Just ask me. In 2014, I committed bankruptcy. I've been making a Social Security for the last four. In those years, my twin boys have accomplished something I never have. They've both become successful in their own right, and now I want to make it back for them. 
Uh, he goes on, he explains about his sons. I don't want to bring them into this. I've been living in apparently, I've been living parent. Okay, he's living with them. I hate it. I'm sure it's not managed by a member of LU. I went back to my own house again. My boys have inspired me to get my stuff together. I wanted to join again. I figured out the secret of LU. Then there's seemingly impossible mountain to climb, and I'm back and overwhelmed in my own pity party. Not this time. I made a decision to join as soon as I can, and I get things straight. I pulled, mulled it over. I'm not ready yet. Like Dell said, some people are just not ready. I couldn't do the step one in lifestyles until I did step 20 other steps outside first. I'm still mulling it over. What I've joined for in 20 steps, maybe someone could help. At least they would see what I'm overcoming to step one. I thought it was a great story and have my 10th house. My 10th house. I haven't got my first one yet. <laughs> in my short goal is one house. My long goal, though, is 10 if I'm still alive to see how I can go. Inspire, keep inspiring others. Hope this is not too long of a story. Uh, guys, an entire life of making fast, decisive, but bad decisions. I mean, you heard it right there. He said it himself. Think of that. 20, 30, 40 years he's been making bad decisions. And they've devastated him. And every time he do another one, he changed from stocks to this, to that, to the, the, the lottery, the this. Okay? So that's a type A personality. And you can see, if that person with that much motivation, he's done all that stuff in his life. If he could have done 20% of that stuff and done it right, he might be multimillionaire. All right, here's another lady that wrote me. I ran across your show and the other day one day and your message intrigued me so I attended one and a half hour webinar after the webinar I figured out that $300 purchase to listen to David speak and learn a few things would be a good investment anyway we have our own three rentals one of 12 years and the other two for six years but recently sold the only house that we owed money on and each of the other houses we own are worth a little over $100,000. But we have spent all this time paying for them. It will take a long time to recoup our money since it has been remodeled every six, has to be remodeled every six to eight years when renters move in uh, or move. Now think about this for a second. The perception, the 80-20 perception is of a type B personality is spending the money on the houses is number one, lost. You don't get it back. It takes forever to get that much money back from rentals. When in truth, the matter is the money's all still right there and the rentals is income. Number two, they got rid of a third income producing property because they were afraid of debt. Now, you know, you, you follow that, right? They, they just didn't want to have any debt, so they got rid of the one that had debt on it, even though it was probably making them money. It said, okay, it goes on and says, since listening to David, it worries me that selling the houses and reinvesting the money could possibly be a flop. When I have steady money coming in every month, there's type B, you know, I'd rather take a bird in the hand than, than three birds in the bush. I'm also the fence about joining since I do not personally know anybody that has been doing well and following your program. But you want your team to seem really successful in your profession. You and your team seem really professional. I'm halfway on board, but still need some help. So I sent her this. I said, I understand you more. Inform- you need more information and familiarity with our members. Let me have Keith help you get your wife to a class and show you where the on the case study videos are so you can watch other successful people and see what they've obtained. She writes me back, she says, the only thing I took away from the video is that you, Lifestyles, will have complete control of my money and I will leave my children with unpaid debt and taxes. 
Now, number one, we have absolutely nothing to do with their investments. You own your own investments. We have no control of your money. You have total control of your money. And you don't leave your children debt. When you have a $100,000 house and you put an $80,000 loan on it, that house is still worth $20,000. And the $80,000 you took out and you bought two more, three more, four more houses means your kids are going to inherit millions of dollars someday in the future. Not debt. I asked the lady, I don't understand where you got what you got out of this, but the bottom line is, my friends, this is a type B person. They take every negative in life, double it, triple it, and believe it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.